0: ancient Egypt, ancient Kemet. But mm-hmm. what comes before it is oftentimes left out. Nubia, ta uh, uh, Abyssinia, Ethiopia, things like this. So when we talk about Kush, are we talking about ancient Kush? Are we talking about a country or a region? We're talking about
1: a region. Uh, the region of ancient Kush stretches back from uh, what we call the, uh, what would be the, the nook, what would be north part of Hain's upper Kemet. Mm-hmm. And it's said that is upper Kemet because of the flow of the Nile River. But upper Kemet um, is what we would call ancient Kush. And it, go, and it flows down from that area, which is northward, and it goes down further south. Um, several miles, probably about uh, 70 to uh, 250 miles further down that river. And so all of that area will be ancient Kush. Ancient Kush's tentacle stretch is far back, names being associated with it all the way to India as well as Turkey, which we know the ancient Egypt um, stretched out across the uh, Red Sea to uh, an area which is which is now known as Turkey, or uh, what we're not exactly sure. Historians don't exactly know exactly well uh, how far um, that it reached, and you know a lot of that is just under investigation. I don't like to right. say it was for sure, but we do know that there was an African presence in Asia. Right, right.
0: So when you when you talk about uh, going going into Turkey and India. Okay, so we're talking about ancient Kush being a region, not a country, and at one point extending into Turkey and, and India. Is that correct? Did I hear you correctly? Well,
1: we know that there are the seven gates of Kush that, uh, that are mentioned in Turkey,
2: mm-hmm. and we
1: also know that there is uh, the, the the Kush... Mountains in uh, Hindu Kush Mountains that are in India. So we do know that somehow culturally, that there was a reach there. But as far as how significant um, its presence there, it's not exactly been, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's no exact on that. Okay, but we do know that there was a presence.
0: Okay, now. Um I know there was, uh, I have some articles dealing with, uh, ancient Kush, one from org, another from, um, face-to-faceafrica.com. And they talk about uh, the kingdom of Kush, uh, and it's three major cities, Moreau, Kerma, and Napata. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. now when we talk about usually, and I've been to some of your presentations, your presentations are fantastic. If you all ever get to go see one of the sister Nubia Watford's uh, uh, visual presentation she does is fantastic. And then she also ties into, she also ties the uh, history and the, uh, you talk some about the uh, symbols in Christianity and like how they go back into ancient Egypt, ancient Kemet, things like this as well. Um, when we talk about uh, Nubia or Tanah like being the mother of ancient Egypt, ancient Kemet, okay? Uh, and there's twice as many pyramids in the Sudan as there are in Egypt, okay? Talk about that relationship for a minute,
1: please. The relationship is like a relationship of cousins. Um, cousins sometimes feud with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been many times that they weren't friends, but they have re- reunited several times in history. The question is, when weren't um, the Kushites and uh, people from ancient kemet uh, relating to each other because they related to each other all through their history. <clears throat> the queen's, uh, the most famous queen in the 18th dynasty, of course, is Queen T, who comes from ancient Kush and was a commoner um, because of her brilliance. And she was a very intelligent girl, mathematician, and she became, became key in negotiations between ancient Kush as well as she did negotiations Across the Mediterranean Sea, she did um, a lot of um, negotiations with the people in Asia, which we would call Arabic at this time. So she was a key negotiator, a mathematician. This relationship um, also was present in the 12th um, dynasty with that family. Uh, we are finding out that Karakamun, uh, who is a Kushite priest living in, uh, in the in the twenty, I'm sorry, in the 25th mm-hmm. dynasty, um, mm-hmm. that, that Anthony Browder is yeah. actually researching. So that that um, with Karakabun living from ancient Kush and living in uh, in in Kemet as a priest, that tells you how important that culture was still in ancient Kemet because relationships with the priests, with that culture being such a spiritual culture. Uh, the priests were very important uh, part of the ruling families and how they ruled very close um, to the connection of the Most High, and so the priest was a very powerful person. And, and the fact that the priest, the high priest, came from Cush um, means that, that relationship had not been broken. Right. Well,
0: you know, uh, Browder's a mutual friend of ours, uh, Tony Browder, and I've interviewed him uh, a number of times. I've interviewed him about his. Uh, uh, excavation of the uh, it was the the uh, I can't remember it was the tomb or the site of uh, a Karak- uh, the, the tomb of
2: Caracamón. Th- yeah,
0: the tomb of Caracamón. Yeah, and I read his book. His, he put out a book about that a few years ago. I read his book also, uh, dealing with that as well. So I got to reach out to Browder uh, uh, again and get him back on the show.
1: Okay. Very sh- significant work there. Yes. Probably the largest um, black. African-American archaeological sites in the world where African-Americans are volunteering. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the lead archaeologist on the site in, in, um, in Egypt. So it's a very, very, very important site. And it gives this relationship because what they're doing is recreating the burial grounds, which um, some of the significant burial grounds are Sabanga and uh, Nuri. Um, the Royal, uh, burial ground in, uh, measure And then we have the, uh, the, uh, the, uh El and so what, um, Browder, the, the uh, people that are living in ancient Kemet, Kim- um, Browder is finding that they are actually going to, uh, to, to Kemet and recreating, um, El Coru and Kemet, which is, is, which means that they, they never forget. They never forget.
2: Their past, they build upon their past. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it, the queen that you just showed, though, mm-hmm. is one of my
0: favorites. A Monica Shito, right? Right, and I'm showing another queen named Sister Nubia Warfare right now. But let's talk about a Monica Shito. <laughs> I'm showing your website right now, <laughs> Nubia. So, let me give you a website. Okay. Your, let me give you a web. Let me do this shameless plug for you. So, visit her website, right. ancient Nubian and right on, and you you can see uh, Sister Nubia uh, in the Sudan uh, doing an archaeological dig. You can read about her, read about the uh, excavations and things like that. And uh, so let's talk about uh, Monica Shitos. So there was, uh, you know, and and I think I first found out about her from you uh, in some of our interviews that I've done with you over the years. And you know, I Google so today I, I was pulling together this uh, pulling together this segment of the show. And I'm working on another project. I, I, I'm doing a presentation for a corporation uh, tomorrow, and I'm working on that project. But I, I Googled your name, and a lot of your stuff, a lot of references to you came from the African History Network show, right? <laughs> Going back <laughs> right. To, to our blog talk radio interviews. But, um,
2: right. uh,
0: but um, oh, no problem. But uh, Monica Shito, I think I first found out about her uh, from you. So tell us about uh, Monica Shito.
1: Monica Sita was a very, very famous uh, queen. She was a very I call this period, it was a 350-year period in ancient Kush that um, was ruled by queens. So I, I call this period the queendom of Kush. Yes. Not the kingdom of Kush, because these queens were ruling. Um, they venerated um, the goddess Aset, which is known as Isis. Mm-hmm. And so these queens ruled with a tough hand. Uh, The Kushite army, which was over 100,000 soldiers, would protect the area. The Roman army of a disgusted Caesar was coming to uh, plan to sack uh, ancient Kush and steal all the gold. And so she, Monica Shido, came, uh, and page 155, you'll see an African civilization book um, by Sheik Anton and He Mm -hmm. tells this story when she rides into the encampment uh, on a couch on a on a covered uh couch uh in between two elephants and she rides in and and she tells augustus Caesar, either you can ride in but you won't ride back out right and so her people stay um his camp she takes his she uh um, his members his statue he heads it takes the head back and she um buries the head his head in the threshold of her throne. So when she steps on her throne, she steps on his face every time, buried underneath. And they recovered uh that butt from under where her where her throne sat. There. I actually visited her uh, her spa, her sauna, um, there in ancient narrow The palace is still there. And the spot where her throne was. Her palace was the largest palace in the area. Her daughter inherits, uh, the whole, uh, the whole thing after she passes away and steps down. And, um, an heiress is w- the queen that they call one eyed Candace,
2: mm-hmm. who
1: Strabo um, actually describes as being quite muscularly. And he said that, you know, she would, her strength was could, could, uh, she would definitely, um, would be something to contend with in the battle. And she had one eye. Um, a scar on her eye, was, uh, was, was thought that she, because you know, she would fight on the first on the front line with the soldiers, she was actually out, um, battling. So these women had a history of ruling, not only with a strong uh, army, but they would be seen on the battlefield. Amani Koshido was known to be on the battlefield, in, in you know, with her with her um, um, with her elephant. So you know she. They they ruled and they ruled very strongly. They protected their gold. They uh, built strong armies. um, They protected their area. The inhabitants of the the Isle of Merroway was was possibly over a half a million people. So she had a lot of people to protect. And of course, the 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 valuable thing in ancient Kush was the gold, and a lot of people would come in the area looking for
0: that. Okay, now. The term uh, Kandaki, uh, which is also pronounced Candace, um, but, or mispronounced Candace, but the term Kandaki, that, that means queen mother or queen regent.
1: Is that correct? Yes. The Kandaki means queen mother or great mother or great woman. Okay. Um, depending on who is, you know, who's giving the definition of
0: it. Okay. Now, um when we look at uh uh is the correct pronounce it, pronunciation of Meroe? Merowe. Okay, M E R O E, Merowe. Um uh, so the Kandakis of uh, of were the queens of the kingdom of Kush. Um uh, and they're going now so Merowe is is in what is now called the Sudan. Is that correct? Correct. Okay.
1: So, and, and what's the... is in Sudan. The reason why it's called the Isle of Meroe is because it's in between the Adbar River and the Nile River, a mm-hmm. tributary which runs a small river that runs off of the Nile River. And so we have the land that's in between that being called the Isle of Meroe. Okay.
0: Um, and and what's, what I think is really important is to understand that, one, a lot of the, most of the geographical demarcations or boundaries that exist today in Africa are the result of the Berlin Conference of 1884 and 1885. One, two, when you look at these, um, when we look at Cush as a region and, um, as a, as a region in general, as opposed to a country, and it encompasses these other kingdoms within it, right? It's, it's like we have to reorientate ourselves geographically to what was in antiquity as opposed to looking at the boundaries, you know, that are there today and, and how we look at it today, Sudan, and uh, you know, uh, because the lower portion of Egypt, and the upper portion of Sudan in ancient time was basically Nubia, you know. So it's it's like a total reorientation. I think that we many of us have to go through to understand what it looked like in antiquity, where, where these different kingdoms were. what what are, we, what are your thoughts yeah. on that? I think I
1: think there's a lot of reorientation that has to be done. The antiquity of this civilization being. Um, the age of it, um, going back to more than a hundred thousand years, I think uh, that because of the way that the uh, that that the people in antiquity arranged their um, their land and where they live, that's in direct relationship to the to the happy the Nile River, and that these people. We're in that in that area for a significantly long time, and it goes further back in time. Probably, will will the significance also is is that this area probably is dated back. So I'm going to stretch it further back to three hundred thousand years, and so which area? Uh, the whole, I'd say. The whole area, all the way going back to the origins of this area, which is a bit of topic tomorrow. Mm-hmm. The origins of ancient Kush go all the way back as far south is India. Okay. Um, we do you have DNA evidence from a couple of people that have gotten their DNA that actually they have um, Australia Aborigines mm-hmm. who um, sometimes they uh, say that the Aborigines, you depends on who you talk to. That they're just indigenous, the indigenous of Australia, but many of um, the people in the area, specifically Virginians, they're from Tanganyika, which is modern-day Tanzania. Right. So we think antiquity um, goes back as far as 300,000 years, probably before, because it was a fifth with 300,000 years. So to get to that period where your uh, where your technology has developed. Uh, to that point, you know, it takes tens of thousands of years as well. So right, it's right. going to be pushed further back. So, we'll, so you know, I'm my theory is that um, they pretty much puddle jumped from all the different um, tributaries and rivers from the tip of Africa, followed them along, because remember that this area had much more water in it at that time. And so that these actually, if you look at a, a map of the rivers, you can just follow them from the Southern tip all the way there. Um, my archeological research and my d- degree again, Michael's, I am, uh, I do archeological research. Right. So, so even though I'm an it's a, a branch of anthropology, I, I'm, I'm a holistic, a cultural scientist. Mm-hmm. So I, I do the anthropological work. I do the historical work as well as I do uh, the oral history as well. And much of the oral history, because that's our tradition, is very, very accurate uh, for that for that area. It, it matches the documentation um, very, very closely. So, uh, you know, archaeologists and historians typically um, in, in academia don't trust or don't um, say that the oral history is credible. Well, I think it it could be much more credible than than. Than thought um, right. previously thought, yeah, and, and I've learned lo- Go culture goes
0: down originates oh. from that area, right? And, and and I've learned I've learned about I learned a lot about the uh, old traditions from you also in some of your presentations and some of our conversations uh, because the old traditions have to be incorporated. It, so when we study the history, it, it, it can't just be. The archaeological discoveries, the artifacts. It also has to be the the. You also have to incorporate into that the oral traditions as well. Okay, so that's a,
1: the oral traditions, hmm. the historical documentations. What do the people themselves say about themselves instead of what's interpreted? The, the good thing about ancient Kemet is that the people did write about themselves. Now we we think that some of it might have been a little bit. You know, uh, pumped up a little bit, exaggerated because the kings, um, you know, there were disputes with each other. They would leave different people out of history, and of course, they would sometimes, you know, just uh, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, kind of make themselves, you know, a little bit larger than they were, or embellish themselves a little bit. But the history of the country um, is is told by the by themselves and right. what they what the what the ancestors said in all of the documentation, ancient Kish Kush, ancient Kemet, with is that they are from the south. The the question is how far south is South?
0: <laughs> how far south is South? Okay. So when you so are you talking about going into what we today call South Africa, you're talking about the southern tip of Africa the or tip of Africa.
1: okay, mm-hmm. the southern tip of Africa, which we know we we recently uh, in the last three to five years, uh they, there's a structure there that's, that's been dated back to 250 thousand years. Mm-hmm. So there's also the structure of Botswana that's 300 thousand years, and there's also in Botswana in Botswana oh. Botswana yeah. Um, that's been, is 300, 300,000 years old. Mm-hmm. And then uh, through language, we know that Himalaya, uh, it says the Himalaya Kush. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? We, we know that that means black killer. Uh, you know what I mean? So I don't think, I think it, it quite, it, it could, you know what I mean? It could be. And uh, this is something that we'd have to do more historical research. But I think it relates to the army, um, the right. Kushite army, and, that the, uh, you know, because it just relates. I mean, if you call if you the cuisine, the food culture, the food culture mm-hmm. in India, the food culture in Ethiopia are very related. The, the yes. use of the curries, the way that it's cooked, is very, very related. And the people, in, when the Greeks and the Romans came to that area, they called the people in this area, uh, Ethiopians, all of them.
2: hmm in
1: the um, India, yep. the, the people okay. from Ethiopia, and they also called them Indians. Sometimes you'll see that they call the people Indians. The, so pe- the people were Indians. a relationship.
0: Sometimes they call the people, sometimes they the people, sometimes they call they the call people were Indians.
1: Indians. Okay,
0: in Ethiopia. They call
1: the people in ancient Kemet, mm-hmm. and the people in, in, in ancient Kush, the people in Eritrea, they call them Indians. hmm Because they, they, they look similar to those
2: people. Right.
1: They're all black people. Right. Uh, you know, all kinds of, the same kind of uh, facial structures, same kind of hair, everything. And so these people typically, you know, they were misnamed uh, Caucasians because many of them had straight hair. Right.
0: There's,
1: look, everything comes from Africans.
2: Right. Straight
1: hairs and straight noses come from Africans.
2: The aquiline features.
1: The green eyes come from Africans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's nothing that's created that you cannot find in the African race and we should not. And, and remember the ancient and ancient, uh, was also a metropolis because this was one of the, this is the wealthiest area. It was the most beautiful area. Um, they had running water, they had indoor toilets, they had mm-hmm. bathrooms, they weren't throwing fecal matter out of the windows. In these cultures, like they were we in Europe, in, in, in hygiene and people that lived in other places of the world, the education was egalitarian for women and men. Um, the, the the education for women is a tradition in the whole East region. Um, that's what you know because of the misfortune of Hypatia, because she was a daughter of a famous scholar and she became a scholar. Hypatia, yep. Because she was so charming, she was executed. Basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, we, we have these these traditions from ancient Kush and ancient Kemet that are present today with the education of men and women that have been followed uh, for the last 6,000 years, at least. Right. The head of the medical school was a sister. I forget her name at this time. The head of the medical school in Egypt was a woman.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: we, you know, uh, we, you know, Sometimes we look at the problems that, uh, between men and women in Western society and that black men have adopted some of these ill practices and in the, in the illnesses of Western mm-hmm. culture where women were highly respected in these cultures and thought as egalitarian. We see Queen T, uh, who is represented. In, when you first walk in the Cairo Museum in Egypt, Queen T gre- greets you with her hand, with her arm around her husband, the same height, which means that he respected her as as equal power next to him. And it's the first representation in in history. Well, the Kushite region and the Kemetic region are walked hand in hand together, just like that, as far as their respect for women. So the queens of ancient Kush were respected around the world and those women were also Part of the Queen of Queens, the Empresses in that area, and the tradition um, still holds today. If you know a woman from Sudan, you know a very proud woman because they are very proud. They are very uh, articulate, and most of them are very highly educated. And this tradition is six thousand years old. This is a uh, picture that he's showing of Queen T, mm-hmm. uh, which her arm is, is is wrapped around lovingly of her husband. I always kid and say, well, I love him a, a lot, too. He was only the richest man in the world um, in Hotep. And <laughs> she's there the same height, you know, represented um, right there. We walk into that Cairo Museum,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: the first thing you see is them sitting there, huge, large, you know, 50, 50 feet tall at least. And it just shows their strength and their power. It's a very right. powerful image. And I believe they left these images for us to see, for us, so we would know
0: who we are. Exactly. This is uh, uh, Queen T and her husband, Amenhotep III. Um, well, look, Sister Nubia, we I, I, I kept you longer than I planned to, but you just kept going, okay. so I just let you keep going. I just <laughs> I said I am not gonna stop you because the sisters gonna beat me up if I stop you. But <laughs> but <laughs> we're, we're, but we're almost out of time here. So uh, very quickly, one uh, uh, visit her website, Ancient Nubia. New- Ancient Nubian com. Ancient Nubian Cities.com. How can uh, you have a coloring book there? Uh, people could purchase your coloring book. How much is your coloring book?
1: The coloring book there is $8. It includes um, shipping and handling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's $8. Um, it's two for $14. Um, it can be shipped anywhere in the United States, the Caribbean islands. So I know it's a your show goes turn wide, so we really yeah. know uh, where people are listening from. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow's class. Exactly. Um, and give me 25 minutes. I wish I had a, a full 30 minutes. I mean, you can have class. 30 minutes, sister. Oh, we we have
0: two hours for the class, so <laughs> take your time. I mean, you can have as much time as you want to. I have two hours for the class. So uh, uh, very, very quickly, uh, <laughs> one, uh, Ethiopia, uh, India was a colony of Ethiopia going back about 9,000 years ago. Okay, so, so so this is understanding that history. Also, I talked to Dr. David M. Hotel on Saturday. He told me to tell you hi. Okay. <laughs> <And> okay. Then, <laughs> yep. also the first Americans were Africans documented evidence. His new book comes. He said it will be out by the end of March 2021. Okay, so everybody, look. Sister Nubia Wardford is going to be our guest speaker at our online class Tuesday, February 16th. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Maafa: for understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. You can register for it now. It's an eight-week online course. We do a thousands of years of history. It's a visual. uh, It's visual. You can ask questions in the class through the live chat. All the sessions are recorded, also. So if you miss it, you can go back and watch it over and over again. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register right there. It's regularly $130. It's on sale $80. As soon as you register, you can watch the class on February 9th, and then there's a lot of bonus content also. February twenty third, Tuesday, February twenty third, I guess in the class is going to be Dr. David M. Hotel, author of the book The First Americans Were Africans Documented Evidence. All right, sister Newbie Warford, look, we're out of time right here. So I'll talk to you tomorrow, sister, okay? Thanks for coming on. Okay then. Thank you.
1: Thanks All right. for everybody listening. Bye-bye. All right,
0: peace. Okay, everybody, everybody watching on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network and my YouTube channel, Michael M Hotel. Keep watching. We'll go for a few more minutes. Uh, we're out of time here on nine ten a.m. Superstation WFDF. Right now, it's correctional behavior. It's not over till we win. Stay tuned for Pastor Greg Davis. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. Peace. All right, everybody, stand by. Stand by. Stand by. Okay. All right. I ain't planning to keep Sister Nubia that long, but she's just she was gone, so I'm just hell, I'm gonna let her talk i let her talk, you know. So <laughs> that's a bad sister right there. Okay, I wanted to squeeze in this other story. So how's everybody doing? Uh and I got a I got a, a presentation to prepare for to have to give tomorrow, also. So this I'll be up late. Um how's everybody doing today? We posted a link here, you can register for the online course. And uh, I wanted to talk about this other story. So we talked about the impeachment. We talked a little bit about that. Um, I, I want to go to this other clip um, uh, dealing with impeachment. But first, well, I want to do with this story here. This deals with uh, an ancient beer factory unearthed by archaeologists. An ancient beer factory unearthed by archaeologists. Okay. Now, as I talked about before, and if you see any of my presentations. Uh, you hear me say, the deeper they dig, the blacker the planet gets, the more research they do, the older we get. Okay, the deeper they dig, the blacker the planet gets, the more research they do, the older we get. And these type of art, these archaeological discoveries, I mean, they, they happen, you hear, read about them every, every month, sometimes every other week. And um, I saw them talk about it, it was maybe for about 30 seconds on MSNBC. But uh, all the news outlets have an article dealing with this. Okay, so uh, I'm going to talk about this story here. Uh, ancient beer factory unearthed by archaeologists in Egypt, and this story came out. Um, February, uh, this story came out Saturday, February 14th. Saturday, February 14th. The deeper they dig, the blacker the planet gets. The more research they do, the older we get. And you, and you hear Sister Nubia talking about civilizations going back a hundred thousand years ago, like in, in Kush, and uh, they're their discoveries that show Homo sapiens, uh, my, uh, Homo sapiens in Africa going back. Uh, uh, they found them in uh, Morocco, if I remember correctly. Uh, three hundred thousand to three hundred fifty thousand years ago this is a discovery from june of 2017 this is, this is one of the archaeological discoveries i talk about in the course in the online course so when these new discoveries take place they keep having to push the timelines back right you remember juvenile had the song back in like 1999 uh back that thing up cash money records Taking over for the 99 in the 2000 remember back that thing up when these when these new discoveries come out they keep having to push the timelines back they keep having to back that thing up. All right. So, uh, Egypt has announced dozens of ancient discoveries in the past couple of years in the hope of attracting more tourists. Ancient beer factory unearthed by archaeologists in Egypt. Okay. So, it, it talks about how American and Egyptian archaeologists have unearthed what could be the oldest known beer factory at one of the most prominent archaeological sites of ancient Egypt, a top antiqu- antiquities. Officials said Saturday. Okay. Mustafa uh, Waziri. Secretary General of the Supreme Council of Antiquities. Said the factory was found in Abydos. An ancient burial ground located in the desert west of the Nile River. Over 280 miles south of Cairo. Now he said. Um, he, he said the factory apparently dates back to the region of King Narmer okay, also known as uh, Amos. So you're talking about going back to the first dynasty, okay? King Narmer, who was widely known for his unification of ancient Egypt, ancient Kemet, okay, unifying upper and lower Kemet at the beginning of the first dynastic period, 3150 BC to 2613 BC, during that period of time, okay? So this time, ta- I mean, now this is something that, we should be discussing during African-American history month. This is something we should be discussing during African-American history month. So I I understand we're going to talk about runaway slaves (laughs) and I I understand we're going to talk about, we work from can't see morning to can't see night. Okay, All right. But (laughs) it's like, (laughs) sometimes the limitations that, we operate within are fictitious. Sometimes the uh, you know Professor Kaba Kamene one day he said uh, he, I, I, he was talking to, it was myself and Dr. Ray Higgins and Professor Kaba Hiawatha Kamene said that African people are like whales and goldfish bowls. We're like whales and goldfish bowls. Our potential is much bigger than the constraints that we are put within that we operate within and these are like constraints on our minds. So, you know, you you hear me say that when we have these African-American history month celebrations, we don't have to just keep recycling the same 15 to 20 sanitized Negroes every year. Yes, it's important to study about them, but we we put these constraints on the information that we deal with in these celebrations and we just operate within the, the circumference of slavery or 1619 up until now. Okay. These are the types of things also that we need to deal with during these, uh, during this cultural celebration. So I want to, I want to play this clip here from uh, play the audio of this clip from the story from uh, NBC. Let me see. Should have audio. Uh, um, I thought this one had audio. Okay, these. Okay, let me see here. There's one with audio. We'll go to that one in just a second here. That's it. So, archeological uh, archeologists at the Saqqara site near Cairo have unearthed. Let me see. Have uncovered dozens more uh, sarcophagi, uh, some with mummies inside dating back to ancient Egypt. Uh, there was there was one clip I was trying to find. Maybe that's not. Uh, maybe that's not it. We'll. Uh, I'll try to I'll try to locate it here in just a second. But in addition to dealing with slavery and. Um, you know, uh, 16, 19 and things like that. In addition to that information like this, that comes out all the time. This is information that we want to incorporate into, uh, the discussion as well. Let me see here. I think this is, um, I think this is one one second here okay we'll get that queued up all right let's look at the uh, article some more here okay so archaeologists found eight huge units each is about 65 feet long and 8 feet wide each unit includes 40 pottery basins in two rows which had been used to heat up a mixture of grains and water to produce beer. continue here. I was trying to find the clip I was looking for, but uh, we'll continue. All right, so the joint mission is co-chaired by Dr. Uh, The the joint mission is co-chaired by Dr. Matthew Adams of the Institute of Fine Arts New York University and Deborah Vishak, Assistant Professor uh, of Ancient Egyptian Art History and Archaeology at Princeton University. Now, uh, Dr. Adams said the factory uh, was apparently built in this area to provide royal rich rituals with beer, given that archaeologists found evidences showing the use of beer and sacrificial rites of ancient Egyptians. Okay, or the ancient chemites. Uh, British archaeologists were uh, the first to mention the existence of the factory in the early 1900s. But they couldn't determine its location, the antiquities minister said, ministry said, with its vast cemeteries and temples from the earliest times of ancient Egypt. Abydos was known for monuments honoring Osiris or, or Asar, ancient Egyptians, ancient Egypt's god of the underworld or deity or a and the deity responsible for judging souls in the afterlife. OK, so when you look at the you look at the judgment scene, you know, you'll see uh, you'll see a saw. I'll try to pull up a picture here of the judgment scene. So now this is like I said on Sunday show. A lot of times people think this information is hidden. And and, and many times it's just hidden in plain sight. I mean, they're talking about Osiris. This is, this is NBC News Associated Press. This is just right out here. They're talking about Osiris, ancient Egypt, 5,000-year-old brewery, discovered. So a lot of times we think uh, this information is is hidden. Sometimes it is, but a lot of times it isn't. You just have to know where to look for it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pull up a, I think yeah, I'm still trying to transfer information over to the new laptop. So I'm going to pull up a picture of the judgment scene. And when you read now about the contribution to civilization by Tony Browder. Uh, Browder has it in, in there as well. But let's uh, do this here. Let's uh bring this up here. Okay, want to get a good picture of it here for you. So, pull this up here. All right, let's uh, flip over and try to look and show you this year. Okay, so this is uh, from ancient Kemet, the judgment scene when you read now about the contributions of civilization. If you read some of Dr. Ben's books like black man, the denial and his family, I think he has the judgment scene in there I have a copy of that. I read that like 20 years ago. Um, so you'll see a Tsar sitting here on the throne throne of judgment. Osar, who the Greeks called Osiris, you'll see um, uh, the 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 scale of Maat. Okay, you'll see the devourer here. If your heart, if you lived your life correctly based upon the forty-two admonitions of Maat, uh, which is the precursor to the Ten Commandments, then your heart would be lighter than a feather. They judge, they judge, they put your heart on the scale and judge your heart which is the essence of your soul against the feather of ma'at and ma'at was a winged deity in ancient kemet that with the personification of truth justice righteousness balance harmony order and reciprocity the seven virtues of ma'at okay so uh if you lived your life correctly then you will go into the afterlife you have and Pooh or Anubis, the jackal-headed netter, that and see the the jackal, not to make this too deep, but um, when you see the deities, they oftentimes have characteristics of an animal. They're incorporating nature because they understand it's an appreciation of the gifts that the creator has given to various animals. So the jackal has a very keen sense of judgment, keen sense of smell and taste, which is a higher sense than humans. So you have Anpu or Anubis who balances the scales because it takes a keen sense of judgment to be able to do that. You have uh, Dahuti or Thoth that rec- that records the record of what happens, okay? And when you look at um, now Valley Contributions to Civilization by Tony Browder, he talks about the Hootie in there, and he and he talks about how uh, I think it's page ninety five. They show the they show the how the deities in ancient Kemet. Influenced the deities amongst the Greeks and influences the deities amongst amongst the Romans. All right. Um, So just to make a long story short. But but check this out. This is the judgment scene. Okay. this is a, 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 a depiction of it here. But this is what they're talking about. So you can look at these articles. You can look at these articles here. That it's just stuff that's in the news And it connects you back to ancient Africa Okay It connects you back to ancient Africa So if we go back and look at The, uh, the beer The story about beer But it's found in ancient Egypt 5,000 years old Okay, if we go back and look at that story This is NBC News This is It's not conspiracy theory stuff. This is not far-fetched anything. All the news outlets reported on this discovery. All you have to do is Google it. All the news outlets reported on this. All right? So they're talking about Osiris. And then this... So then when you study Asar Aset and Heru, who the Greeks call Osiris, Isis, and Horus, then that gets into Heru, being born of a virgin birth, on December 25th, to Osset, the virgin, who the Greeks called Isis. All, all of this is connected, okay? All of this is connected. Uh, let me pull up, uh, these are some of the things I deal with in the online course also. I want to show you a picture of Osset, uh, the, the first Holy Trinity. I saw Osset and Heru. Now, what I say may go outside the circumference of some people's awareness. What I say may go outside the circumference of some people's awareness. Just because you never heard it before, disagree with it, or don't like it, does not mean it's not true. It just means you have to do some research to understand what I'm talking about. But this is, but but when you when you when you deal with Christianity in the car rest, ca meaning spirit, rest meaning to rise, the car rest, the rising of the spirit. Okay, but Christianity, look, you're dealing with a retelling of story, of many stories coming out of ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt, Sumer, Mesopotamia. You're dealing with a retelling of these stories. So this is Asar, Aset, and Heru, who the Greeks called Osiris, Isis, a horse. Asar is in the middle. Okay, this is Heru with the falcon head. Now, when you look at, the, so Heru born on of a virgin birth on December 25th. Now, when you look at some pictures of some depictions, because it wasn't a picture, it was a a painting, because they didn't have photographic cameras back then. When you look at, I may really go outside this, the covers of some people's awareness. When you look at paintings of Jesus or Yeshua, because the letter J wasn't created to 1630 AD. So if you look up the word Jesus in the dictionary, and look at the etymology of the word. It takes you back to Yeshua. Okay? The Hebrew Yeshua. The letter J didn't exist back then. So his mama ain't calling him Jesus because there was no letter J. You see some depictions of Jesus with a dove over his head, Right? And you see Heru with a falcon's head. Because what they did was, as, as it gets reinterpreted into Christianity and it goes through its various forms, because early Christianity is looked different than Christianity today. The Christianity that we deal with today largely is the result of the 21 ecumenical councils. That took place from 325 AD to with the first council of Nicaea, 325 AD to about 1870. And the and them determining what's going to be taken out of the Bible, what's going to be practiced, how it's going to be practiced, how people pray, whether they pray standing up, whether they pray kneeling, when Easter's gonna be celebrated. Because that that was one of the um results of the Third Council of Trent of 1563, determining when easter is going to be celebrated and how to calculate that because coming out of that third council of trent that's when you get the creation of the gregorian calendar introduced in 1582 uh named after pope gregory the 13th which is the calendar we use today and it's based upon how long it takes the earth to rotate around the sun counterclockwise 365 days five hours 48 minutes and about 46 seconds that calendar is the result of the third council of trent 1563 AD so you have to understand so to understand Christianity okay and we look at the, uh, the Helios the Holy Bible or Helios Biblos the Sun book go to the dictionary and look up the etymology of the word Holy Bible right so if you to understand the existence of something, you must understand the pre-existence of existence. I can take you from the Helios Biblos straight back to ancient Africa, straight back to the Nile Valley region of Africa. You read uh, not just not just Nile Valley contributions to civilization, not just that one, but you read, now here's what happened. I didn't get to bed at six in the morning. I was cleaning up and rearranged stuff. Now I can't find anything. Hold on. <laughs> you, uh, you read Christianity before Christ, but Doctor John G. Jackson. Hold on. I can't find nothing now. <laughs> Wait a second. Where is uh, Christianity before Christ? Okay, I think I'll put the stuff over here. So... i gotta I have to rearrange stuff back so i can find them. Cause uh, all right christianity before christ i'm trying to make this short christianity before christ but dr john g jackson uh the world 16 crucified saviors by Kersey graves you start seeing traces what happens is you start seeing traces of this taking you right back to ancient Kemet, right back to ancient africa all right let me see something here Let's look at this, uh, what we have next. Oh, this right here. Oh, this this, this tells it all right here. (laughs) This tells it all right here. Okay, so when I was a kid, 1970s, I used to get up Saturday morning and I used to watch Saturday morning cartoons and Saturday morning TV shows, right? So there was this tv show they had the shazam and isis hour on cbs saturday mornings, 1970 i still have comic books from the 1970s that show the shazam and isis hour okay (laughs) and they show um let me see they show uh this white woman as isis and this is on a saturday morning cartoon And, they, and when you watch it, uh, a few years ago, I was watching episodes. It's called "The Secrets of ISIS." Let me blow this up. It's called "The Secrets of ISIS." That's the name of the TV show from the nineteen seventies. "The Secrets of ISIS" came on CBS. It was like eleven AM, eleven thirty AM. They showed it was the Shazam and ISIS hour. At the beginning of the show, they had episodes of, of Hulu. They had episodes on Hulu of. Secrets of ISIS, it may still be there when, when I was going back, I was a few years ago I was watching it, and at the beginning of the show They talk about how she got Her powers from ancient Egypt And they start naming They start naming Egyptian queens They talk about soot And th- different things like this, I'm like, I'll be damned But what happened was They put this into A, a, a Saturday morning TV show But then they have a white woman portraying ISIS and they say she got her powers from ancient Egypt, but they ain't say that the ancient Egyptians were Africans. Because I remember watching this in the 70s and, you know, my friends are watching things like this. But we were never told that ISIS was an African woman. So this is the DVD. This is the cover of the complete box DVD box set series, The Secrets of ISIS. So she is a copy of Osset. Who was a virgin. Husband of Osar. Osiris. Who gives birth to Heru. Who the Greeks call Horus. On December 25th. A virgin birth. Then. If you look at the. All of this is connected. You look at the constellation. Of Virgo. And the Zodiac. The constellation of Virgo. Virgo in Latin means virgin. In ancient times, that constellation was of Osset who the Greeks call Isis. All of this is connected. You just have to understand the chronology of history. Okay? So you so what happens because I have a background in marketing and media as well as history, what I like to do is take elements from media that you see right in front of your face. Cuz the truth is right in front of your face. You just have to understand how to decode the messages, how to decode the symbols. Okay? This is why I said uh, like last week I said you have to get a symbols encyclopedia or a symbols dictionary. I have a symbols dictionary that decodes like 2000 symbols from around the world. The the truth is right in front of our faces. But we have to understand the preexistence of existence to understand what we're saying. We look at the article from um, NBC News. This ain't conspiracy theory stuff. This is not hocus-pocus. Okay? We look at the article from NBC News. They're talking about an ancient brewery in ancient Egypt 5,000 years ago. Oldest brewery that's known to man. Okay? And right in the article, they talk about Osiris and deities from ancient Kemet, things like this. British archaeologists were the first to mention the existence of the factory in the early 1900s, but they couldn't determine its location. The Antiquities Ministry said, "With its vast cemeteries and temples from the earliest times of ancient Egypt, Abydos was known for monuments honoring Osiris, ancient Egypt's god or netter of the underworld, and a and the deity responsible." For judging the souls in the afterlife. It's just right there. Now, what it'd be good to do is, I ain't trying to get anybody in trouble, show this to your pastors, show this to your ministers, have a conversation about the origins of Christianity, how it takes you back to ancient Kim and ancient Egypt. The necropolis had been used in every period of early Egyptian history from the prehistoric age to Roman times. Egypt has announced dozens of ancient discoveries in the past couple of years in the hope of attracting more tourists. But when these discoveries take place, we we should be having discussions here about the discoveries and understanding how all this is connected. And putting this into a timeline of history, that then leads into leads up to the the Moors going into Europe because the Moors are taking the teachings from the Nile Valley region of Africa, from ancient Canada into Europe to bring Europe out of the Dark Ages, and that's when every all this stuff gets flipped around. During that period of time, that that 800 year period of time, all this stuff gets flipped around. is going to lead to the transatlantic slave trade, the tourism industry. Been reeling from the political turmoil, turmoil following the 2011 popular uprising that toppled longtime autocrat Hosni Hosni Mubarak. The sector was also dealt a further blow last year by the coronavirus pandemic. Of course, it was. But read this article, and and, and all the outlets got to have stories on this. See, this is this is what I'm saying. This is not hidden. And uh, we posted this was the first story I saw about this. Face to face Africa has one. All the news outlets have it, National Geographic, all that stuff. Okay, now this is a um I, I found a news story. Okay. Archaeologists in Egypt unearthed ancient beer factory in the Abydos. This is from news uh dot com. Let me see if we can queue this up here. This is one clip that was playing. All right, how's everybody doing? All right, and if you all like this type of information, also be sure to register for my online course, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. 4, Let me back this up. Old, archaeologists have made an amazing discovery in more than 4,000 year old tomb untouched area in Giza the walls of the 10 meter long term are covered with colorful carvings and statues that have stunned experts due to their near perfect condition it's hoped they will find more treasures they continue to search the site in the coming months so there's going to be more coming out about that as well about this discovery Let me post this article here from uh, Nine News.